So, John, what would you do if you won the lottery? Do you mean if I won the lottery today or if I won the lottery in normal times? I'd say if you won the lottery, just let's say big time. You, you win a lot of money on the lottery. Sure, but I mean, like, I'm just, oh, it's I very see. important whether it's in COVID times or in normal times, because what can you do with money now? Like, okay, fair. Uh, yeah, you win the lottery right now. Yeah. What, uh, what do you do? God knows. <laughs> There's nothing to do. It's really, uh, oh, buy a giant house. Buy yeah. a really, really big house um, and then sit in it. <laughs> for, for months on end and realise it's not that much different I'd imagine yeah. big TV big garden yeah it'd be nice but uh, yeah ultimately I'd still you could buy it. an island somewhere I could buy an island actually yes I could buy an island and then come I on could... John think outside the box yeah okay I'd buy a small island and then I'd not let anyone on the island and it'd just be my island and then there'd be no coronavirus on the island nice so, yeah just live the free life yes in a very very isolated way <laughs> it's, it's, that's 2020 basically yeah yeah well no. think of the podcast we could record though i could make, make a hell of a studio <laughs> oh damn right you could Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Tokyo Godfathers. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from my listeners with the ideas they've posted on our Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most Christmas cheer. Oh, you're in the mood. You've just got back from some Christmas shopping, and so I can I can sense you are looking very yeah, jolly. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Good. I'm joined today by Nathaniel, the guest with the best tasting podcasts. Mm, clearly. <laughs> Good afternoon. And I was just thinking that uh, your thoughts on, on buying a house is quite prescient to, or the absence thereof of, of a house, was, is quite prescient to the, the film we're talking about today. Indeed, yeah, I didn't think of that, but you're right. Uh, this is true. a film about homelessness, and so that, yeah. that was probably not the most uh, sensitive ideas. I would just buy a huge house and not let anyone live in it. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> clearly, I took the right lessons from this film. <laughs> <laughs> and joining me, as always, the host with the most chance of one day dying rich and drunk, it's John <laughs> it's, Lucas. It's the dream, you know. <laughs> I'm halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Nathaniel, thanks for uh, bringing this film, um, Tokyo Godfathers. It's the uh, the close of our Christmas season and, indeed, the close of the year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Patreon episode. Thanks for being a supporter and thanks for bringing this fantastic film. What do you think about it? Well, thank you very much for that introduction. Um, I, I really love this film. Where last time I sort of wanted to shine the light on a film, this was Survive Style 5 Plus, that mm -hmm. probably not many people would have heard of. Uh, Satoshi Kon, who is the, the director of this film, is, is much better known. And his films, particularly for me, are, I would consider some of my favorite films of all time. Uh, and this is certainly one of them. I did read up that he'd uh, sadly passed away a few years ago. Did he work exclusively in anime then? They, is uh, anime yes, he yes, he did. He worked. Um, he, he worked in animation. So he was um, a essentially a director, a writer, an animator. So he started out essentially working as part of the staff animation, and and then he started writing for some quite big names. And then he had his breakthrough with Perfect Blue uh, at the end of the nineteen nineties. Um, and uh, unfortunately passed away of uh, pancreatic cancer at the age of 46 in 2010 after directing 
four films uh, and one television show. Yeah, this is our. We've not done much anime on the podcast before. We have we have done a couple. I think we did a, a one called Wolf Children. Do you mm-hmm. Remember that was another Patreon yes. one. Yes, um, uh, I've seen Wolf Children and it is also quite an excellent film as well. It's a very good film, yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean that was really good. This was really good. I think we should definitely try and do more anime. It's good, certainly. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good genre. Just throws us some interesting things. So, what about this one in particular? Apart from the fact that it's kind of a Christmas film, appealed to you, Nathaniel? Well, I mean, it was in that it is in the season. Um, mm-hmm. I recall when I joined you last time, the the subject of um, of Christmas movies did come up because we did Survive throw down the plus, bit, yeah, so. Well, it actually has Christmas scenes in it, uh, and I did oh, mention right. that I I did have a Christmas movie in mind, and it was in fact this film. Oh, great! Well, I'm glad we managed to circle <laughs> back around then. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was really good fun, and there's not yeah, I, I, what I like about anime or Japanese animated films in general is that they you know this this clearly is not a children's film no. yes it's, it's film decidedly film. not a children's film and, yes. and none <laughs> of the films that he he directed are children's film this is it does deal with some quite heavy themes um mm. as do all of his films it's 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 described in genre terms as a tragic comedy and it's it's really mm. the only one of his films that does have sort of comedy elements to it um oh really yeah so I mean, I'll sort of speak a little bit more of, of the director himself, because he has been quite influential outside of anime. For example, Perfect Blue, which was his first film, it was loved by um, Darren Aronofsky, and he bought the international distribution rights to it. And he nah. used a number of the shots in that film in Requiem for a Dream, and he often spoke of remaking the film and that project became black swan um and Uh, on another side and he's he's often cited that he 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 loved the films of con and i think he gives gives a dedication to him uh in noah which i think was the first film that he released after the death of of con um and on another sort of perspective though this hasn't been confirmed by the director itself uh, there are a lot of striking similarities between his uh, last film and my favorite of his, Paprika, and mm-hmm. Inception. So that's uh, that's it's quite a. I mean, I, I'd I'd recommend you watch all of them, but I, I'd be quite interested to see what you feel about that. Okay, well, we are notable Nolan fans on this podcast, so I think we'll definitely, uh, definitely. have to check that out at some point. So that's definitely going on the list. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this one, then, Harry? Yeah, I, th- I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I thought that the characters were so well written and fleshed out in such a heartwarming way. Mm. Like you fall in love with with all three of them for different reasons, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought it was just really really good for that and a great story as well. Yeah, and it's the kind of film I think that it could only work as an animation. I think mm, I don't think yeah. this would be very easy to pull off if it was live action, just for, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Like I think the characters, um, the way they're portrayed, makes a lot more sense in animation. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I'm thinking of um, Hannah, the transgendered character. I think yeah. it's, yes. uh, that would have been a tricky thing to get right in um, in, a, in a live action. It could have very easily been very offensive. But uh, yeah. I think in animation, you kind of get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, I mean, we'll we'll get into the plot, but uh, that baby. Yeah. I think I couldn't watch a real baby go through some of the parents. No, <laughs> oh my god! That'd be no. very hard watch. <laughs> even it, even knowing it was just like an animation, the end of the film, which we'll t- we'll discuss, like. 
I had, I had to watch it through my fingers because I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, it's dear. very <laughs> Especially towards the end of the film. This is one of the, the cases where you can tell the difference between how an American film would end and, and this in the Japanese film would end. Uh, you can mm. sort of, there's, there's certain things that you'd say they'd never go there with, with an American film. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And a good old fashioned cliffhanger ending as well. That's always fun. Oh, like, of yeah. course. Yeah. You don't get many films these days that end on a cliffhanger like that, but uh, that, I really enjoyed that, that it just kind of stopped dead. Yeah. 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 Well, it kind of shown us those sorts of stories happening in the film already. Yeah. Multiple times of different people bumping into and like old relatives or whatever and. You know, fixing old bridges. Oh, I mean, yeah, I did want to ask. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Tokyo, Nathaniel, but how big is Tokyo? <laughs> well, so this it, film it seems very small. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a huge city. Um, mm, yeah. Population about yeah. twenty five people, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, but it, it, it all falls into sort of the idea of, of a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is something I've noticed as well. I've, I've talked about this before, but I, I think there are certain, even not even with animation, but I think there are certain kind of tropes that you will kind of indulge in if it's a foreign language film that you, if it was an english language film you'd be like well that's not very realistic yeah but like there's something a bit magical about foreign language films because i find it also with um pedro Almodovar films he's one of my favorite directors and a lot of his films are filled with like crazy coincidences and characters just happening to run into the right person at the right time and mm. you have to really suspend your disbelief but you, you just it kind of it's part of the the magic of cinema i guess yeah but, it is so but again, I think if this was an English film and a live action, I probably would have been a bit more cynical about it. If it was live action, some of the miracles in it would have just looked ridiculous. Well, that too, yeah. Like <laughs> how it ends, yeah. That would have been that would have been insane. Exactly, that only works because it's an animation. It looks really pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we do go into actually talking about the plot, Nathaniel, do you want to give us a bit of a plot summary from the start? Um, yeah, I'm I'm completely happy to do that. Um, I'll I'll start with a bit of bit of context as well. So um, I mean, Christmas itself you sort of associate it with joy and sort of happiness, but also around Christmas time you see suicide rates they reach high, and especially in sort of the climates in the northern hemisphere um, where it gets a lot colder, it's much harder for people who don't have a home. Also, as well in terms of why this film might have come into existence or or some sort of the motivators for it. So post-World War II, there was a, a period of economic growth in Japan, known as sort of the economic miracle, up until the end of the Cold War. And so Japan was very, very prosperous. And in 1991, the bubble burst, and there was sort of a massive sort of recession. And it's to some sort of degree... Japan hasn't really recovered from that. And you often see that, like, um, if you go outside of the major cities in Japan, a lot of the infrastructure and systems sort of, like, look very dated to sort of pre-1990s. So this sort of led to sort of a rise sort of in homelessness. And it actually, the numbers, the official tally of, of homeless numbers actually peaked in 2003, which is when this film was released. Uh, so that's just a little bit of context to understand why this film might have some co- come into existence. So I'll, it's a side of Japan yeah. you don't really see, do you? In like popular culture, I don't think we like we, we see a lot of films from America that deal with homelessness, and you know you, you think of like the New York 
and there's loads of films sort of set around like New York homelessness etc but in, I think we would get this very idealised sense of Tokyo like we, we see Japan as just being Tokyo or just being like you know Imperial Gardens a lot of the time in what's presented to the world but so it was interesting to see this film really tackle like you say the the other side of Japan yeah and especially so that the the locations that you visit are all real locations and they're very right. accurately rendered so you're essentially putting people that are marginalized by society into places people will recognize in parks and things like that um, to essentially give that big contrast and bring attention to the essential sort of issues of the film so um, I'll get started with the the plot summary because I think we've we've chatted around the film enough mm-hmm. if that's all right with everyone so go for it sure we start with a nativity play um, and this is attended among sort of a crowd of, of homeless people by Gin, who is a sort of um, probably in his mid-50s man, and Hannah, who is the essentially a transgender woman character. And, and the reason they're attending is that it's sort of a free meal after the service and the, the sermon. Uh, after that, we essentially move to the, the top of a building, where uh, Gin and Hana meet up with Miyuki, uh, who is essentially a runaway high school girl, who and they are essentially an ersatz family. So mm-hmm. while they're there, um, Hana mentions that like a, a Christmas present for for Miyuki. So she found these books essentially that uh, she wanted to give them. So they essentially go to a rubbish heap of, of books and they oh well not books and, and, and just garbage and, and all sorts and they they don't find the books but while they're there they hear the crying of a baby uh, and they find an abandoned baby in this pile of rubbish and they Gin um, wants to go to the police right away um, but Hannah says no let's let's I've always wanted a family I'll take her back to their tent, which is sort of in a, like a homeless sort of village in a, in a park. And they name the baby Kyoko. So essentially they spend the night and then in the morning, Hana is gone with the baby. And Gin and uh, Miyuki, they sort of run after her. And saying, well, we need to take the, the, the baby to the police. Um, but she convinces them that, no, uh, I was abandoned as a child. And I want to talk to the parents. I want to find the parents and talk to them um, to mm-hmm. understand why they've done this. So in the, the bundle with the baby, there was a key to a, uh, essentially a locker in a station. And they open the locker and they find a business card for uh, who they presume to be the mother from essentially a hostess club. Uh, And then they essentially travel on a train, but the train stops in the tracks because of the, the heavy snowfall. And Miyuki is alarmed by a man who is across him on another train that has also stopped and she essentially jumps off 
uh, and loses the food that they had for the baby. Uh, so they're walking, the baby's hungry, and they come across a cemetery. And miraculously, in the cemetery is Nappy's uh, a bottle of milk <laughs> and essentially baby mm-hmm. formula that they find there. That is just a Christmas miracle that never really gets explained, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, one's kind of like, it's a miracle, but it's kind of a coincidence or, you know, like it's a gust of wind or whatever. This one is just... Oh, look, the baby's going to die unless it has milk and stuff, and here it is. Well, so, I mean, yeah. you say that, but there is a bit of a dark undercurrent to that. Because at, essentially, your grave sites, what relatives mm-hmm. do is that they, for the deceased, they essentially place, like, objects, like flowers, or, or oh. like, if you if you love drink, sort of, bottle of beer yeah. or something like that. Um, and yeah. this is sort of in the context that, well, there's a baby that's died young, and so the parents are leaving... Uh, oh, the, so is that supposed to be, not to spoil the ending, is that supposed to be that Sayuki, the mother, the, the fake mother, is, is supposed uh, to be that she's left that? For her I, I, not, that? I don't, not necessarily. Um, okay. it, it could be that, but it could be any other baby, honestly. Okay. Oh, grim. Yeah, that is, <laughs> I didn't really pick up on that, but yeah, that is a, a little grim note as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should, we shouldn't understate how, how dark this film is. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real feel-good Christmas classic as well. Actually, it is pretty <laughs> yeah, feel-good. No, it, but it has, yeah, I'd say it, it is. But it certainly has some, uh, yeah. It's, no. it's got some darkness to it. Some dark humour, some just general darkness. Yeah. But I'd say on the whole, it's a, it's a win. It's more up than down, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So when they're leaving the cemetery, they come across a car that's seemingly parked in the middle of the road. But when they, <laughs> they go around the other Coincidence side, number two, there's a man who's happened, being <laughs> run over by the car. Yeah. <laughs> Very slowly. Yep. <laughs> Very slowly. Um, and I love so how they, they just sort of paused at this. Like, this man is, like, currently getting run over by the car. They're watching as the car is, like, still creeping over him. Yes. And, like, it does, it hesitates just a minute before it then cuts to them pushing the car off him. I mean, you, you'd, take a, you'd take a beat, wouldn't you? If, you? if you just walked across and found a guy being run over by his own car, you'd, you'd take a second to, like take it in before you jumped in, wouldn't you? You'd have I'm to. Not, I'm not sure I would. Really? Just to, only, only I could, like... Surprise! I'm not saying like consider yeah. whether or not it's worth helping him. Just like you'd have to take a second. For, oh yeah, this is a strange situation. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love I, I, I love the idea that he ran himself over. Essentially, yeah. that's a <laughs> classic comedy there. So uh, they essentially save him, uh, and he's very mm-hmm. gracious to them and wants to help them out. Uh, and he's actually the the boss of a yakuza family. Um, he's a gangster, essentially. He's a gangster, essentially. Uh, and they take him... Well, they will reluctantly forgive, but for the other two, they're happy with it. He takes them to uh, his daughter's wedding um, because he knows the um, owner of the club that the mother uh, works at. He, he, his, his daughter is getting married to the club owner. Mm. And coincidentally, the daughter's name is... Oh, what's her name again? Kyoko, sorry. Kyoko. (laughs) Which is the same as the baby. So, while this party is going on, Gin spots the groom and suddenly gets very angry. Uh, And there was one detail that I omitted earlier. So, when they were earlier in the film, Gin had mentioned that uh, he... Uh, had been a uh, a bicycle uh, a, a cyclist 
a racing cyclist, mm-hmm. and he had essentially got into debt, and he essentially planned to scam and throw uh, a race to essentially get the money to save the life of uh, his uh, wife and daughter who were sick. Uh, this is where he changes his story, uh, and it turns out that his, his actually his wife uh, had left him. And so this is the man who he'd, he'd got in debt with. Or uh, So during this scene, he essentially runs at the man with a, a bottle, which startles him, and he jumps to the left and gets shot by a hitman accidentally, who was essentially gunning for the, the mafia boss, the, uh, the, the mm. Yakuza boss. I think yeah. we can call that coincidence number three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then this hitman. This one. This one was right out there. Like this came out of nowhere. <laughs> like th- there's. I, I absolutely didn't see this coming. And not that I wasn't. Like I was already in on this movie. Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't in beforehand, this would have been like, oh my god, what on earth Let's is going on? Terms, I am yeah. so engaged. Yeah. yeah. This is actually one of the moments I was looking forward to you mentioning because I. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> up until this point, it just seems like like a. Sort of like a feel-good sort of comedy. I mean, there's that dark undertone, but then you essentially get a, you see a guy get shot, um, and I was just I was yeah. thinking, wow, what what's going through your heads at this moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the same. I was, I was I, this is when I realised, oh, this movie is going to take some really interesting directions, and yeah. I'm, I'm definitely on board for this. And but again, with the Things you can only get away with in animation. So basically, the hitman is dressed as a waitress. Mm-hmm. So yes. I guess he's supposed—is he supposed to be in drag, or is it just that he's supposed to be having like wearing like a a different, a different kind of wig? It looked like he was in drag from the way it was drawn. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like so, again, I don't yes. know how. I think so. That would look if it was a yeah, because <laughs> it's like his entire face changes as soon as he's yeah pulls his wig off. So <laughs> again, I don't know how you manage that in in live action, but uh, yeah, it's he—he he, it seems like he's a. Latino, uh, so mm. I guess he's part of a rival Latino gang that's also operating in Tokyo. That was I what I took from it. Yeah, like, yes. It doesn't really go into a whole lot on that. Well, it doesn't go into details. Um, mm-hmm. And so he essentially takes uh, Miyuki hostage and mm-hmm. bundles them into a taxi and drives off as Hana and Gin try to run after them, and they lose sight. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. I've got a question for you now. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it uh, with subtitles in Japanese or, or an English dub? Uh, subtitled. Subtitled. Ah, okay. So, for my copy, um, they don't actually subtitle the Latino, presumably Spanish. I, I don't know the, what, what language he was speaking. Same. Was that subtitled? Yeah, we didn't have either. No, yeah, no, we didn't have we didn't have subtitles for the Spanish either. Which, I, yeah, at first I was a bit annoyed by, but then I realised it made perfect sense because the characters that we're most engaged with don't understand it either, so we're just on the same like mm. kind of playing field as they are. So it kind of worked for me. Yeah, it, it sort of makes it hilarious as well with sort of mm. Miyuki's sort of reactions because she can't understand. Um, so, so she's like, "Thank yeah. you very much" in English to yeah. the, um, <laughs> like, yeah, like Miyuki. I, she's one of definitely my favorite characters. She's got such an expressive face uh, in the mm. way that she sort of reacts to everything in the film. But we'll move on. Yeah, because okay. Mm. No, I was just going to say on that, you're yeah. right, Like, because anime is, especially this style, I mean, it, it, I've seen anime films that are much more, like, expensive looking, for want of a better word, but, like, the, the animation looks fairly straightforward in this film, but it does get a lot of detail, certainly in the characters' faces in a way that uh, is surprising, considering it doesn't look like something that's had, like, 
necessarily had millions of dollars of you know computer animation mm. plowed into it because it it does have that real hand drawn feel. But it's I did really notice as well that how expressive the characters managed to be. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because the way that I'm trying to recollect this plot is that I with my Blu-ray copy. I essentially took screenshots sort of every few minutes so I could re- recollect the sequence of events. And I had oh, this, this, this muted at the time. So mm-hmm. it's actually quite sort of strange because you're, you're not listening to their voices. And the, mm-hmm. the way that they're expressing themselves, it's quite unnatural. Um, and sort of when they have the voices, it sort of, it really carries you through. Um, so I thought that was quite a really interesting to see that like, oh yeah, they've, they've, paid a lot of attention to these characters and, and the way that they express themselves mm. because you as somebody who watches a lot of um we, we know that you watch a lot of uh, japanese films in general um or f- foreign language films would you generally do you generally prefer subtitles over dubs or especially for animation where dubbing is a bit more common than it is for like live action yeah i i i mean i'm not gonna sort of disparage anyone who does watch it with dubs um but i personally mm-hmm. prefer subtitles they, well one of the reasons as well as trying to learn the language is that sure. like if your someone's character is so tied up with their voice um mm-hmm. and so if i hear like um a, a japanese character speaking with an american accent it feels a bit off-putting because it's like this isn't the person i expect them to be yeah, what I find often with, especially with, I've, I've seen dubbed animes before, and what I, what I struggle with it, because I prefer subtitles as well, as much as possible, um, often, I just think the, you'll know better from, like, understanding the language a little bit, a lot better than I would, but it seems like the, the rhythm of Japanese is, is quite different to the rhythm of English, so what I, I often find when you watch an English dub is that the, the dialogue sounds really unnatural, because it's like they're, they're filling, almost filling out consonants and phrases to try and fill out what is probably a much more intricate sentence in J- in Japanese, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there. I think you've got that quite right. <laughs> yeah, so I always prefer to subtitle because I find it quite irritating a lot. And again, not to disparage, there's lots of really well well done dubbed animations, I'm sure, but some of the ones I've watched, Ponyo, were quite annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Liam Neeson in it, I'll have you know. That, well, that's the other thing when you hear like famous American actors doing it. <sighs> yeah, it's, yeah. Kind of, it's stunt casting, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer a professional sort of a voice exactly, actor to yeah. do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll get back to the plot because there's a bit more to Sorry, get through. Yeah, on, yeah. So mm-hmm. this is when uh, Hannah and Gin split up. So Gin essentially says, "This is there's nothing we can do." Um, essentially sits down and starts drinking, and then Hannah sort of mm-hmm. continues to try to find Miyuki and the baby. So mm-hmm. Hannah leaves, and then Gin spots a, a another homeless person who has collapsed nearby. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, did you notice anything interesting about this other per- homeless person? Uh, other than the guess that he looked quite similar to Gin, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm sure they were trying to draw parallels there, but I don't think I picked up on anything. Well, that. that's exactly he's not it. Supposed to be San- Are you going to tell me he's Santa? Well, <laughs> he, he actually, he's dressed identically to Gin. He has exactly oh, okay. the same bag, and he has mm-hmm. exactly uh-huh. the same habits. So what it's sort of, I, I'm reading into this, what other people have read into this, is he's essentially a future version of Gin. And essentially, Ooh. he's being shown as, like, the ghost of Christmas future to Gin <laughs> to show what his self-destructive lifestyle will lead him to. Because this character oh, right. essentially uh, uh, dies um, in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, I, I, it's weird how they managed to like successfully inject humor into into the death scene. Yeah, because <laughs> he thinks he's dead, but he's not, <laughs> and then he dies a couple of minutes later. So so after this, um, Gin essentially leaves the tent, and he, he's harassed by a group of of young people who essentially beat him up, and they also mm-hmm. beat up the body of the dead homeless man as <laughs> well. Felt unnecessary, really. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't dead. know he was dead. They were just beating up a guy. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and real nice characters, those guys. And what's interesting about this scene is if if you notice the lights, there's essentially a row of lights above the in like an apartment block, mm-hmm. and it's sort of framed upwards. And these lights behave like health bars in a fighting game. So <laughs> when essentially um, Gin gets beaten up, you see it go down to zero, and then when he gets back oh, up I again, it sort of that. gets restored. <laughs> that's amazing that's cool that that's is not that, something I picked up on at all. that is a great detail yeah. <laughs> so we, we cut back to Hannah and she's essentially in the same taxi that the which the the hitman and Miyuki was were driven in uh, who is actually becomes a recurring character and he's, he's hilarious um, the interactions between him and, and the, the, the group of homeless people I did, yeah, I did. I mean, they did address it later. They had a throwaway line about it, but I, there was a lot of this time. I was thinking, how are these homeless people affording all these cabs? Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, they they did receive money from uh, the the gangster when he oh, when they true. saved him, um, and that that essentially ah, good point. goes a bit to the cab fare. I think so, m- most of it was stolen by the the, the people who who beat up um, Gin. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So now we, we essentially cut back to. Miyuki, and and she's actually ended up in the home of the wife of the hitman, um, mm-hmm. who also has a child. Yeah, is she supposed to be a hostage at this point, or is he just kind of taking her home? Because it seems like she gets away yeah, very easily. I, I, she's not a hostage anymore. I think it's it's more that like, oh, he was he was and he was concerned for the baby, and so he just took him back to his mm-hmm. wife, who'd also just recently had a newborn. Sure. So they have essentially Brilliant. a scene, and then you learn that Miyuki had a a cat named uh, Angel, and she loved the cat, but she believed that her her parents had has essentially thrown the cat away, and then mm. th- this led her to essentially running away from home. Um, After stabbing her father, yes. Yeah, so they they essentially have a flashback where you see. This this sort of uh, younger, sort of fatter Miyuki, um, who <laughs> essentially stabs her father, um, and and this is essentially the precursor to to why she is where she is. Mm-hmm. I really like the structure of this film. Actually, the way it does, like you, you get these three characters at the start, and it, the film just sprinkles these little details of their backstories mm. through the whole plot. I really like it when films do that, and this one. Certainly, tell you learn a lot more about the characters. Like it's only at this point you realize, oh wow, this character clearly has very deep emotional problems. Like yeah. she's like stabbed her father because she thought the cat was gone and the cat wasn't even gone. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So Hannah ends up finding um, Miyuki, and they return to the park where they essentially see a body being taken away from the tent, and they they think it's Gin, yeah. but it, it's actually the, the old homeless man. It's the ghost of Gin future. Yeah. Again, another hilarious joke. Yeah. <laughs> when like Hannah's like, "Oh my God, Gin! No, no, no!" and sees the face, and was like, "Oh, okay, never mind." 
So then we we see Gin again. He's sort of in an alley, uh, and then he he sees an angel, uh, yeah. but it's actually just um, <laughs> someone from from a club. Yeah, hello. yeah. This really made me laugh. The transition from the yeah. "Would you like a miracle or an ambulance?" An ambulance. How rude! <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, Hannah and uh, Miyuki, they end up, they need somewhere to stay the night, so they end up going to uh, this gay bar, which um, Hannah used to work in, and miraculously. Uh, Gin is also there. Um, he, what a coincidence! Yeah, what a coincidence! <laughs> uh, and so he's been rescued, I assume, by a drag queen in drag as an angel who just happens to be walking the street that night. Yeah. Right? Yes, <laughs> great, love it. And yeah, so Hannah meets up with with Mother, uh, who is essentially mm-hmm. the matriarch of the of the club, um, mm-hmm. and they essentially re- reconcile. And the reason why she's ended up homeless is essentially her her partner ended up dying suddenly. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, not not from uh, not from AIDS. He sl- he 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 slept on the soap, <laughs> which is sort of a comedic <laughs> line. But yeah, of course, it's a it's a dark yeah film. yeah. The, the real like once the dark humor as well that really made me laugh as well when she's oh because the the. The, the kind of the drag mother, the matriarch, says, "Oh, did he die of AIDS?" And she says, "No, no, he slipped on a bar of soap." And she just kind, of, and then the drag mother just kind of goes, "Well, death is all around." Yeah, <laughs> like, she just takes it. <laughs> so, uh, Gin had actually discovered that because uh, they had a, a photograph of of the mother mm-hmm. uh, outside of their yeah. residence. Uh, he'd as- essentially noticed that in this photograph there is essentially two towers, um, and so their plan is that. They'll essentially try to find... They know what these towers are, so they're kind of trying to line up the view of the towers to find the house. Um, mm-hmm. And they end up finding the house, um, and it is completely essentially burned out. Um, but also, coincidentally, it happens to be Gin's old home. <laughs> of course it is, of course. <laughs> How did he not know? <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered about that afterwards. But... <laughs> <laughs> So while they're there, they learn from the, the nosy uh, women neighbors that the father was an alcoholic um, and gambled away their money. They used to be a loving couple, but everything essentially deteriorated. Uh, and they do find what could be their next address in the rubble of the remaining building. Shortly after this, they're in a convenience store. There's um, essentially a... They have essentially a, an argument with one of the patrons and and all the pe- they all leave outside, and an ambulance crashes right through where they'd been standing. Another miracle. <laughs> coincidence number 603. Yeah. Is, is that a coincidence, or is it just a huge out-of-nowhere surprise that happens? I, was, I guess, yeah. yeah. And then the... But yeah, it was very out-of-nowhere. I love the way that the, the driver just steps out. He doesn't seem injured or anything, and he's just no. like, call an ambulance. Tokyo <laughs> seems dangerous, man, yeah. in this film. Right? It seems like a death trap, this city. <laughs> So Hannah ends up collapsing. I, I think, yeah, it's a sort of sort of strongly um, implied that she might have sort of HIV or AIDS, uh, which sort of links back mm-hmm. to the previous comments that were made. And in the emergency room or the hospital, Gin has to e- essentially end up paying money that he'd saved for his daughter, essentially for the cost of of her care, and. 
as a nurse, they end up meeting his daughter, who is also named Kyoko. Mm-hmm. That's coincidences six and seven, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It's two for the price of one there. And uh, so they, they reconcile, and you actually find out that Gin, no, he wasn't a professional cyclist. He just owned a bicycle shop. Mm-hmm. And he lost yeah. all his money gambling and drinking, and so he mm-hmm. left. And shortly before this, in the, the hospital, you meet this doctor who is going to become married to his daughter. And interestingly, mm-hmm. his his backstory, he used to be married, but his uh, wife and his um, child died. Is exactly mirrors the original story that Gin told to them the the, the lie that his his mm. wife and his and his daughter died. So and he sort of looks quite similar to Gin. So this mm-hmm. is our ghost of Christmas past. Oh my god, this actually is a Christmas carol. <laughs> I did not pick up on this at all. Um, <laughs> what was the significance of his shoe? There was a very specific shot. I don't even remember of his little metal ping on his shoe that I really noticed, but I didn't know what he was trying to say. I think he might have a leg injury. Because, um, like, oh, okay. what, what he what he was essentially saying to him is, oh, because um, it was sort of in relation to like, oh, the, like, Hannah needs care, but we're homeless people. I mean, we can't do that. And he was essentially mm-hmm. saying, well, I, th- this is what I essentially do. And it was sort of, sort of highlighting that, oh, other people essentially experience suffering as well. That's what I sort of oh, read into okay. it. Okay. And so this so Hannah essentially has sort of a big outburst against Gin. So as mm-hmm. a sort of a, a means of trying to get all the sort of the truth out um so that if if the if the daughter if they did love each other um the daughter would forgive him. Uh, and she ends up sp- splitting with Miyuki. And at this time in the uh the waiting room a, a news report comes on uh first about this miraculous lottery number, well, one, 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 one. Um, and then secondly, about a baby, which matches the baby, uh, has been stolen from a, a hospital ward. Uh, so this actually makes Gin suspicious. Uh, so while out, while, while with, uh, when we return to Miyuki and Hana, and while essentially uh, they're crossing a bridge, they stop a uh, attempted suicide by um, a lady, and she, in fact, happens to be the mother of the child. I've lost count of the coincidences. Yes. Now, but, uh, let's just count. yeah. I love the way that they introduced this as well because like they're just walking along the bridge, and then you just yeah. kind of see in the background. Just a woman, you, you don't see her face or anything. She climbs up onto the side of the bridge and just motions to jump. But just as she goes out of shot of the, of, 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 as, as the camera pans across the bridge. And I was like, are they coming back to this? Yeah, it's just, just a really dark assertion? background extra. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, so so they, they end up essentially giving the baby back uh, to the mother. Um, and then we see Gin essentially entering the address that he has uh and it's essentially filled with rubbish there's quite a disheveled man there uh, who happens to be the husband uh, and he is he's in a very similar position to, to gin he's uh with his his gambling and uh his his drinking 
and then essentially Gin tells him to get his axe straight. Uh, so mm-hmm. he could be our ghost of. It's Gin now. They have the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's the present. Okay. Oh, I mean, you, you you might be able to swap like the the Doctor and him around if it was past and future because he is sort of the younger one. Mm. But uh, we essentially yeah. have our three ghosts here. Um, and then we we find out that no, his daughter was stillborn, and mm-hmm. this led to his wife essentially stealing a baby from the ward. She has an emotional breakdown. Um, so, to our horror, Hannah and Miyuki has given the baby back to the kidnapper. So, mm-hmm. Gin essentially hurries and tries to find the other two riding on a bicycle, so sort of tying to his old profession. And they end up sort of tracking them down, and they run after the mother, and she ends up sort of hijacking a van as as they're chased after by the taxi driver that they end up just coincidentally this, meeting. <laughs> this took a hard turn into, like, real action as well. For, yes. After, yes. For a fairly, like, I mean, there are random car crashes throughout this film, as we've discussed, but, like, <laughs> For a fairly, like, human story, the, the last ten minutes, they suddenly take a real swing into, like, serious action. I was quite surprised by it. Mm. Well, I mean, if you if you see, like, Paprika, Satoshi Khan is very well known for, like, his super quick cuts. So, he, like, Paprika is an extraordinary film with amazing sort of imagery. And, like, you can see that, oh, yeah, he, he's a, a, an amazing action director. Um, and it's only okay. a very short sort of scene in this film that it goes sort of straight to action. Um, and so the the van ends up crashing into a building, um, and she climbs all the way to the top. Um, I they, was so scared about who was going to die in this. I was like, that baby is dead at this point. Like when the, yeah. when the, when the van like upended and crashed into a wall, I was like, well, that baby has died. Like, and this like, is a well, horrible ending to this film. <laughs> yeah, well, and and like Gin has like sort of rolled out the van as it's crashing, and then like what looks like just smashed his back to pieces against yeah. like a banister or something. And you see that he's holding the baby, and I'm like, okay, well, the baby survived, but, like, Gin is gone. Yeah, these people are all Avengers, I think. <laughs> but, like, everybody's invincible in this. Yeah. It's it's strange. <laughs> so, there's essentially a, a final scene on the top of the building. We have Miyuki, who's trying to reason with the kidnapper to put the baby mm-hmm. down. Uh, and the, um, the van, the building that they crashed into is actually... Opposite the, the apartment of uh, the of husband, is. which <laughs> is another coincidence. <laughs> See, some of these are just lazy coincidences. Yeah. They're not actual Christmas miracles. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's a lazy Some of them are Christmas miracles. Don't get me wrong, but mm. uh, it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Japan is just tiny. It's a little hamlet. That's all it is. <laughs> They're just going round and round in circles. There's one little block. Like. Yeah. So this is the moment in an American movie where she'd be convinced to. Uh, back down and hand the baby over. But that doesn't go this mm-hmm. way. She actually tries to jump over yeah. with the, the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's essentially grabbed by Miyuki. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Freakishly strong first. Yeah, very strong. At this yeah. point, like. um, and then... Then essentially Gin grabs as well. But she essentially drops the baby. Uh, and Hannah mm-hmm. jumps down this building to grab it. And ends up grabbing mm-hmm. onto... Uh, essentially a banner that was hanging on the building which rips and <laughs> can you imagine if this was live action I know oh, I said no, before it, it, but it's like ha- it's happened in James Bond with, with a baby 
Uh, not the baby. No, it's the baby. See, it's the baby element that really stressed me out. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, you see all these sort of action movies where they have these ridiculous feats that you're sort of mm. just sort of completely unconvinced by. Um, but in here, it's sort of like quite an amazing ending. There's this rush of wind, mm. sort of a rush of light, and the um, the banner ends up essentially being picked up like a sail, and they essentially gradually drift towards the ground. And we have yeah. the epilogue of the film in a hospital where you have the homeless trio uh, and they're mm. essentially reconciling. And earlier in the film, the old homeless man who died gave Gin this bag. Uh, and in this bag, unknowns to them, is the, the correct lottery ticket. Uh, that was the <laughs> one, 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 one. Uh, I mean, it's just, this is just an Alanis Morissette song at this point. It's just crazy. <laughs> And well, Manta, 98, won the lottery and died the next day. It's like, <laughs> And the couple uh, who had their baby returned to them decide that they will now be the three trio, our heroes, will, will be the godfathers, uh, godparents of the, of the baby. And mm-hmm. accompanied by the inspector, he enters the room and he happens to be Miyuki's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's Ooh. the end of the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I said, a good. Well, I guess Cliffhanger probably oversells it. It's not like, oh my god, what happens next? But it's a no. It's a good. It's a great resolution. Beat, so, yeah. yeah, leaving a window open for a sequel. So perfect yeah. for our purposes. So, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what this was a really good film, a really fun film, and I was all in to give you a bit of stick for this not being a Christmas film, but you've done a sterling job of convincing me that it is in fact a very loose remake of a christmas carol so uh, i mean this is a, this is 100 percent a christmas film i mean i know it was arguable yeah. last oh, time yeah, around, but like this, there's no doubt yeah. this is a christmas film this yeah, is the christmas christmasiest film that we've done this season actually it probably is to be fair yeah right. uh, other than maybe reindeer games sure yeah like, but uh, and this is better so. this one feels like it's well reindeer games was definitely you know it's heavy-handed being christmas yeah but this one feels like it's got the christmas spirit yes certainly because reindeer not, games was not a christmas spirit film it came out in february it came out in february <laughs> and it opens with a montage of dead santa clauses so yeah. yes this is definitely more christmasy so. yeah i mean this you know this one's got its share of darkness to yes, it and death and dismay but, but a lot uh, more hearts yeah 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 it's got the heart mm-hmm. so before we okay. we get into our next section i'll just leave you with one observation that i made um, that I don't know has been mentioned anywhere. So this is to do with the baby. So mm-hmm. if you notice with the baby, it has a mole, a very distinctive mole, which is yeah. between the two eyes sort of on the forehead. And this reminded me of like the idea of a third eye that you might find in like Hinduism or particularly Buddhism mm-hmm. in this case. Ah. And the way that she's dressed sort of with a sort of uh, a beanie and essentially a frock. So in Zen Buddhism, uh, which is essentially the, the, the type of Buddhism that uh, is practiced in Japan, there's um, a, a, bodhis- a bodhisattva known as Jizo, which is essentially has quite a very similar image to as to the baby. Um, and this mm-hmm. Jizo protects children the also it also guards the souls of children who have died before their parents particularly like stillborn babies and it is also the guardian of travelers which i read as well 
the transient lifestyle of the our three main characters. They are essentially travelers. So I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but you still that's why I sort of while this has got a lot of Christian imagery as well, you have this sort of Buddhist icon which I sort of saw in in the baby itself. And indeed when Gin essentially abandons his essentially says, Oh, I'm I'm giving up. You guys can do whatever you want. He essentially loses the protection of that jizzle and ends up uh, get, getting yeah. beaten up and, and nearly dying because of it. So that was just my final observa- observation. I don't know if there's any bearing to it, but it was something that occurred to me on the second watch through. Mm. No, I can tell this is definitely one of those films that kind of you could really watch multiple times and find new meanings. In it's got a lot of little details to it. It does. It's a, a very... I love, I, love, I love that one. That's such a great theory to, uh, mm. to go with it. Excellent. Cool. So shall we move on to drinking games then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So first of all, we've talked about it plenty. But drink for a coincidence. Drink for a plot, <laughs> surprise plot twist or coincidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, yeah my first one was the same. Drink every time they run into somebody they know or who is connected to the baby in some way. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get nice and drunk on that one. Uh, do you have any drinking games for this, Stefania? I do. So one is um, drink whenever you either hear uh, angel or see angel wings, because you ah. actually will notice this quite a lot in the film. Like, for example, very early in the film, the building that they meet up and eat uh, their meal on, that has a billboard where, with essentially a woman with angel wings on it, also the taxi um the essentially the symbol for the weather essentially the, the light is that sits on top of the taxi it has angel wings on it and it's and the company begins with an a um also the name of the cat uh, that she had uh, uh, was called angel and you also see a, a, a moment where sort of angel wings sort of in an, in sort of a dream imagery sprout from from the baby as well Oh, very good. That is a good good catch. Mm, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so my first one is drink every time the characters run for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of that. I really picked up on this that they're really like sprint. There's a lot of sprinting after cars and like, mm. especially after the after 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 Hannah is hospitalized mm. and she goes from being like on a drip and like severely weakened and like the doctor mm-hmm. says you know she really needs good nutrition. She's re- very very weak. And then the next scene, when she gives the baby back and realizes that the baby, the kidnapper, when she realizes that she's given the baby back to the kidnapper, she like sprints, across, she like parkours across Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you love her little uh, mincing run though? Oh yeah, sure. You, no, it was very funny. Fun. But yeah. yeah, it was it was quite funny because um, earlier in the film, she essentially she's 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 walking very like ladylike and and tries to run the same, mm-hmm. but as soon as she realizes that she's given the baby to the wrong kidnapper, she's just she's full pelt just sprinting. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I also noticed the same when like Gin gets like beaten up halfway in the movie, but mm. then what is seemingly the same day, he's like he, he's riding a bike on ice mm. as fast as a speeding lorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> these people are in great shape for being homeless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got any more, Harry? Yeah, so I've got drink whenever anybody falls over mm-hmm. or is on the ground in the snow. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of like stuff happening like down at ground level, mm. or people literally just. Yeah, falling over and stuff. Yep, a lot so. of crap falls. Yeah, have you got any more, Nathaniel? Uh, I do have one more. So, drink okay. whenever something is intentionally uh, illuminated in the frame. So you have essentially uh-huh. when 
Gin finds the the old collapsed homeless man. It's sort of there's this beam of light that's sort of directly falling on him. Um, you also, when he essentially has been beaten up, um, essentially you have this beam of halo of light around the angel that happens to be a, a drag queen initially. Uh, and then one that I mentioned before is is when he's being beaten up, you essentially have the the, the health bars as sort of lights uh, in uh, windows <laughs> above him. I really have to go back and watch that because I didn't pick up on that at all. But um, that's the kind of detail that I love. So I'll definitely be looking out for that on my next viewing. Cool. Any more, Harry? Nope. Okay. Agitad, we discussed already. Drink whenever the baby is in peril, obviously. Yeah. you know, it's the, From car crashes to nearly being thrown off a building to just being standing in the cold for a really long time. I'm like, I was that baby about needs that to be wrapped up more. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Almost um, okay, after that. I did have one more. I forgot. Yeah. Um, drink whenever anybody says the name Kyoko. Oh, okay. Yes, because there's a lot of characters it, called Kyoko. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would get very confusing very quickly. Uh, and my final one is drink for random near-death experiences, such as uh, particularly involving cars crashing, trucks crashing, mm-hmm. or cars. I'm sure there's a scene at the beginning. Isn't there a scene where Hannah is almost run over by a car or a bike? Is there? Am I making? Yes, that, that is true. She just kind of strolls on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so also, it really seems yeah. like Tokyo is a dangerous city. There's also a scene where some people are essentially painting over a, a billboard, and they end up dropping the paint can, mm. and it narrowly misses uh, the three of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's deadly, deadly city. But yeah. <laughs> it, it, it definitely adds to the kind of surprise elements of the film when you just, just sat in a restaurant and then a bus plows through into the shop. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, that was that was my, my last drinking game. So. Uh, Yes, let's. So, for the last time this year, Mm -hmm. if you haven't already, then maybe you might want to consider supporting me and John on patreon.com slash beyondtheboxset. If you do, well, Nathaniel, you know this, you are one of the Patreon supporters. Um, If you do, you get a few bonus features, such as the Patreon episodes that we do every now and then. Yeah, just to join us on the show and educate us about fabulous films that you care about. Yeah, yeah. Just come and bring your favourite film or your second favourite if you've already done your favourite. Or a film you absolutely hate but you want to spread the misery if that's also been done. You know, either yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah I, I wouldn't... I'm not I'm not advertising that but, uh, <laughs> you know, there's no rule against it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you also get a bonus show where we review normally cinema releases. We're also doing home streaming releases and just the occasional old film that we both happen to watch. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do um, Soul. Maybe she'll have a Christmas. Wonder Woman's coming out. Wonder Woman's coming out soon. Oh, they're apparently going to they're gonna charge 30 quid. They're doing a Mulan again. And I'm what? like, no. It's not well, for happen. what? How are we watching it here? To stream. Uh, we'll, we'll talk later. We'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you get a 30-second advert slot once a month on the show as well. We can mm-hmm. advertise your own podcast, whatever you feel like talking about. Mm-hmm. And also you get extended versions of the main show. Mm-hmm. So you can have more sequel ideas, more more thoughts on the film, more drinking games, just more bang for your buck. More generally. of us, yeah. Yeah. So all that, if you're feeling generous, is at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. 
Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. Now, on sequels then. Okay. Do you want to go first or last, Harry? I will go first. Okay. We'll put Nathaniel in the middle, as is the tradition. Does that work for you? That's perfectly all right. Great. Okay, I have got a title I'm really happy with, and I've got an idea I'm really happy with. Mm -hmm. They do not match. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the the spirit of Godfather, Mm -hmm. um, The Godfather, Mm -hmm. I've gone with Tokyo Godfather's Part 2. Sure. Because Godfather Part 2 was like... The better one, yeah. Yeah, sure. I, well, like one of the first sequels. So uh-huh, just, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. But this is very much not like a gangster movie or something. Sure, okay. Which is originally how I tried to go, but it didn't... It didn't, didn't really work. Out. Okay, fine. So, one year after the original, mm-hmm. slightly before Christmas, we pick up with our main characters, Gin, Mayuki, and Hannah. Mm-hmm. So, they spent the lottery winning three ways, so now they're all rich beyond their wildest dreams. Oh, good. Well, not really. Okay. Because... <laughs> Me being me, I went and did some maths. Oh, no. So they won 50 million yen. Okay. Which translates to about 370,000 pounds today. Okay. Or 240,000 British pounds um, in 2003 when the film came out. So split three ways, that's like 80k each. Mm -hmm. Barely worth getting that bed for, is it really? (laughs) I mean, no, no, that's that's fantastic. And especially for for a homeless person, that's great. But it's not like their life is sorted forever. They're not going to be billionaires. So, yeah, they're all significantly richer than they were, but not set for life. Mm-hmm. So, where are they all now that they've all received enough money to get off the street? Mm-hmm. So, Jin, he is trying to win the trust of his family back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had a bit of a gambling issue, so Hannah and Miyuki suggested to him that they hold his money for him. Ah, if he see. just suddenly has all this money, mm. then he's probably not going to be very responsible with it, and he might just yeah. gamble it all away. So, is he going to be struggling with that through the film, like, trying to, like, overcome his gambling addiction? Because, like, keep the old demons down. Yeah, I'd say that sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he's constantly trying to borrow money or get bits of his money back. Mm. He actually declines their request to, to hold his money for him and says that he wants to give his money to his daughter to hold. Sure. as a way to try and sort of bring back a bit of bond between them. Sure, makes sense. Because, you know, they've got a very, a very difficult relationship, and mm-hmm. he wants to try and fix that as best as possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he gives it to his daughter to hold, and she actually invites him to, to come and live with her and her boyfriend. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah, things are working out for, for Gin. Okay. Uh, Mayuki, she, uh, being the caring soul that she is, she has pledged all her money to help the homeless. Okay. But not so much giving it to a charity, because she's seen from experience that just giving money to a charity doesn't necessarily mean that it gets to the people it needs to go to. Mm-hmm. So she's more sort of managing it herself. She's in touch with a fair few homeless communities, and she... Mm-hmm. Goes around all the time and just sort of, oh, that person needs a hot meal, that person needs some clothes, and just helps out little bits, like okay. little bits here and there. Yeah, just generally making sure that all her money is going directly to the good cause and not getting swallowed up in some sort of fake charity where there's people getting rich off it. Sure. Is she having to, like, struggle with people t- taking advantage of her because she's so young and generous? Like, is it? Maybe, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I'm not saying that all the homeless people would do that. I'm just saying it could be like a a, a narrative would be the, the thought. The thought has crossed my mind. Yeah, like she's people, quite young. Co- people cotton on that she's rich. Yeah, and she's trying to do the right thing, but people are like, you know, trying to take advantage of all the time. So she has to like figure out how to be a bit more street smart with it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Hannah, mm-hmm. uh, she has spent her last year trying to get her career back on track as a drag. Queen. As a drag. Okay, cool. So she's bought herself new wigs and new clothes, Excellent. and <laughs> more importantly, she's got accepted back into her drag mother's club. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's now regularly performing. Oh, good. And Mayuki and Gin, they go to see her perform every Saturday night. Aw. 
It's cute. That's nice, yeah. Since getting her career back on track, she's actually become a drag mother herself. Okay. And has three drag daughters. Oh, so she finally did become a mother. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I've named Peach Feast. Peach Feast. Uh, what's yeah. that from? Nothing. I just, I've made these names up. Okay. The, the, way she, the way you come up with names always bewilders me, but sure. Go <laughs> Peach Feast. Yeah. They're drag names. Sounds more like a, an ice cream or something. Um, like sure. Uh, my own drag name, mm-hmm. uh, Misjudged. Misjudged. Okay, that's good. That's a good drag name. And the third one, Karen from Accounts. Karen from Accounts. Excellent. Um, so they're all very loving drag queens and they mm-hmm. come together as a very close family. Like, they all love each other very much. Mm-hmm. So now I've told you how great all three of their lives are going mm-hmm. and how they've become. But now I'm going to tell you how everything's going to go wrong. Oh, no. Is this going to be like the anti-Christmas spirit? Is this going to be a horrible, bleak, depressing... Well, I'd say, I'd say that all the best Christmas spirit films, like, say, this one, for example, mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life, they, have they, 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 they okay. start strong, they go down, as long as you tell me there's going to be a way back up. That's there's going to be a way back okay, up. Don't, fine, don't you worry. Okay, good. So, Gin, who is now living with his daughter and her mm-hmm. boyfriend, he's going to get into a bit of an altercation with the boyfriend. Okay. When he accuses him of beating up his daughter. Oh, no. Things heat up, and the boyfriend storms out of the house and leaves. Mm-hmm. It's not until the next day that the daughter comes home from work as a nurse, crying. Gin expects that she believes him to be the villain or something, or that her boyfriend has beaten her again, but she admits that instead, he dumped her, but not before taking all of Gin's lottery winnings. Oh no, so she's broke again. Yeah. She obviously feels really guilty about this, and mm-hmm. Gin feels really bad, like he's just lost a massive bet. Mm-hmm. Like that's it, those He gambled winnings- on his daughter and lost her. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's what's going through his head, and so sure, okay. so like he he's not super caring towards her at this point. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really say anything, but he just goes out into goes out into the city and just leaves. Oh, he's angry. Okay. Um, yeah, so he just needs to go and walk it off basically, and he's he's lost all his money. He's broke again, and his relationship with his daughter it's not going very well because this has happened and everything's just kind of falling apart around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayuki, the thing that's going to happen to her is that. Well, basically, this winter is just going to be a really, really hard winter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the coldest winter on record. And so the only thing that she can do to just kind of help protect all the homeless people who obviously they're living out in tents in mm-hmm. the coldest winter on record. Mm-hmm. So she uses the remainder of her money and hires out a massive hall for mm-hmm. everybody. And it's heated and everything. She spent all her money and now she's broke as well. Mm-hmm. But all those homeless people, they're in the warm for, I don't know, a for week a, or for so. For a short time, yeah, yeah sure. But, you know, it's going to help. It's going to save oh, yeah, sure. lives. But, uh, yeah, so she's lost all her money as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Hannah, I wasn't too sure what to do with Hannah, but basically I'm, I'm obviously going with the uh, they lose all their money. Sure, yeah. And maybe the club this. takes a downward spiral. Um, could get closed down due to a pandemic. Or um, <laughs> maybe she hits someone again. Maybe, maybe someone makes a fart joke again because that was a running thing where she doesn't like fart jokes and she takes ah, sure. them very badly. Maybe she gets heckled and she has another, like, episode and attacks the heckler and then she gets uh, yeah. kicked out again and she's back, yeah. on, back to square one so yeah yeah maybe, no, that yeah, maybe that's it maybe she does that she gets heckled by this really rude drunk heckler she attacks him ends up break like punching him doesn't know her own strength breaks his jaw has to pay him damages and that's all of her money gone so yeah, yeah. sure mm-hmm. potentially loses a job as well yeah kick, of course kick, yeah. kicked out so again like on, it's, yeah. yeah it's uh yeah pretty rough so yeah. okay. so they're all basically now out on the street mm-hmm. without back any, where they started yeah. back where they started without any money just all, all three of them on the same same evening, unknowing to each other, they're all just wandering around aimlessly. Okay. And by pure coincidence... Of course. <laughs> um, it's Christmas Eve, by the way. Sure. And by pure coincidence, they all just, maybe subconsciously, they all walk to the same place, the mm-hmm. same house, and they all meet at the same time, and they're all like, wow, that's, that's weird. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they notice that they they recognise this house, and so they knock on the door, and the the door opens, and there are Kyoko and her parents. Oh, the little girl that they saved. Yeah, the oh, little nice. baby that they saved. Um, obviously not called Kyoko actually. Okay. But she's now grown up a little bit. She's now one. She's walking and sort of slightly talking a little bit, sure. and um, you know it's their goddaughter. Oh, that's nice. But they didn't know where she lived. Until this moment. Well, maybe they weren't thinking about it. Okay, sure. They were probably thinking about their own problems. Okay. And they just, you know, instinctually, they just walked to the only other place that they knew, their goddaughter's house. Okay, fine. And so, yeah, they all get invited in, and they start celebrating celebrating a little Christmas together. Mm-hmm. And the parents, they announced that they're pregnant again. Okay. And they're going to have another little baby. Oh. And they're going to call it Kyoko. Oh, that's nice. So there will actually be a Kyoko oh, in, that's in, nice. in, in the family. And when everybody starts talking about all their problems... Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that maybe the... I uh, don't know if there's a way we could get Kyoko to kind of convey this message. but Or maybe one of the parents just points out like all the wonderful things that have happened mm. to our three, our three heroes in the last year. Mm. So um, one of them has saved hundreds of homeless lives. Mm. Uh, the other one has basically repaired a, a relationship with his daughter. Mm. And like right now he could go back and his daughter would definitely accept him. And that's what he, what he goes and does. Mm-hmm. And Hannah similarly has now raised these three amazing drag daughters who are, you know, maybe we cut back to their filling in the Saturday night show for her mm-hmm. and they are knocking it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And this time last year, so you're fully wonderful lights lifing it essentially. You're giving yeah. it this like, Oh, look what you've done. Yeah. yeah. So they all kind of forget what they've done, but then they get reminded it at the end. Oh, that's and nice. Just like okay. money's not everything. You've all yeah. lost all your money and you know, maybe you're back at square one, but you're not at square one because now you've got this in your lives. You've yeah. got these wonderful people that, oh, that, you, that you've helped and you've, that's very heartwarming, Harry. Yeah. Very good. So, and what, so that was the God, that was Tokyo Godfather Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. No, that was very a very fest a good appropriately festive sequel, I think. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Nathaniel, do you want to tell us your idea? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Um, before I start, I'm just going to have to say that I can't believe that every week that you can just think up new sequels to all the films that you watch. Because it's oh, a, it's so hard. I mean, I, when I did it last time, I had a trouble, and this time even more so trouble. It's like, how can you do this? Mm. <laughs> oh, it's 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 not easy. It's, it, uh, it gets difficult. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, it's been a bit bit better this week having a, uh, a hard deadline when to start because um, you know we couldn't really push you late because I know that you're recording quite late at night. Um, whereas normally when there's not a deadline, it's like I'll come over to John's after work, and you know sometimes we'll be a bit late for that and. I'll arrive at John's and then half an hour later after we've had a bit of a catch up of the week, I'll say like, John, I've got nothing. I've got no idea at all. Uh, like we should be recording now, but like I've got nothing to nothing to go on. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I hope it doesn't show. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm so, yeah, some of them are quite compelling but... stories. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we normally pull something together, don't we? So yeah, yeah. sometimes it just it just works. Like you just come up with a, a basic idea. You just start writing. You don't know where it's going. That's generally how, how my ideas work. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're going. And uh, often uh, it really works and I get quite proud of them at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. We've been doing this a long time. You get into a bit yeah. of a rhythm with it, don't you? So yeah. Hey, well, thank hey, you. hey yeah. Hey, Nathaniel, thank you. That's, that's nice. To oh, well, yeah, well, so. thanks. Well, with that in mind, I'll, I'll begin. So I'll explain sort of the rationale behind this. So when Con died, he left an uncompleted film called Dreaming Machine. And this film was to be essentially more targeted towards a younger audience, and it would star three robots in a future where humans are um, extinct. 
And these robots were named uh, Ruriko, Robin, and King. And because there are three of them, my thought is that they would be voiced by the same um, actors um, as who voiced ah. our trio. Um, but the plot mm-hmm. is going to actually be a follow-up. And because the the film uh, Tokyo Godfathers was released in, in 2003, there's been quite a period of time since then. So my story is going to occur essentially 17 years in the future. So we begin and we're essentially greeted with this upset young woman, sort of, this is uh, essentially just before her 18th birthday, and it's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Her name is Kyoko. So oh, okay. she ends up, um, she's roaming the streets, and she essentially goes into um, essentially a nightclub, and she gets really drunk. Um, she leaves the club, and she ends up being the victim of um, a assault, a violent assault, and mm. she essentially ends up getting a head hit, and then essentially fades to black. Now we are essentially greeted with her dream space, because Con... Two uh-huh. of the essentially big themes that he worked with were dreams and memories. Um, and so in this dream space, she's greeted by these three robots, uh, Ruriko, Robin, and King, who are essentially going okay. to take her through her memories to essentially try to fix what's gone wrong in her life. So... Oh. One of the the memories that we revisit first is that she is on bad terms with her parents. They get into an argument, and she's 15 years old. They go for a drive, and a drunk driver um, ends up uh, careering into their lane, and both of her parents are killed. God, these these Tokyo drivers, they're so bad. (laughs) So... We sort of cut to that she ends up living with her godmother, Miyuki, mm-hmm. and her husband. Ah. Um, and they have their own daughter now, who um, mm-hmm. is essentially quite young. Um, but she has a difficult time living with them. And she doesn't feel as if she's being loved. She thinks that that her stepsister is the object of her godparents' love. Now, I need to sort of try to find a way to fix... Like, so what I'm trying to do is that in these memories, we're, we're trying to see behind the curtain things that she wasn't aware of at the time. That essentially why her perceptions weren't entirely accurate. And then, so we, we enter a sort of a different dream. Where, mm-hmm. in her earlier childhood, she was visited by another godmother, which was Hannah, mm-hmm. who she loved, and they got along very well together. Um, and she mm-hmm. has, Kyoko has sort of dependency sort of issues. So she was sort of always hung on to 
Hannah and she said, oh, never leave me. I don't want you to go away. And then Hannah said, don't worry, I will be there for you forever. And then one day, she doesn't come back. And this essentially is the seed of her earlier sort of trouble, emotional troubles. So we cut away from this dream and we see her sort of interacting with a homeless old man who happens to be her godfather. This is Gin. Mm. And this is a bit later than Hala. And she thinks, oh, you've been, you've been left. You haven't, you haven't got your, your life in order. Um, uh, this, this is just inevitable for me as well. Um, and then we essentially see behind that that the lottery winnings he gave his share completely to his daughter, uh-huh. and so essentially Kyoko sort of realizes, oh, it's it's because of this that that she had the opportunity to become the the god uh, in the care of her godmother and and her husband, and actually, even though that he is still homeless, he does visit his um his daughter like regularly like every week um so he's essentially improved out of his situation so maybe he found himself more comfortable in the streets like maybe that's just the way of life that he's used to and he can't really feel natural in a house or something yeah i mean i was trying to tie it in that like i didn't want it to be sort of a miraculous fix oh he just sort of he essentially becomes sort of has a home his life is completely in order yeah I i feel like it's sort of more of a gradual transition but he's in a better place so, sure. so shortly, sort of after this, this is this is towards the climax of the film. She ends up in this extravagant sort of dream sequence with the assistance of the robots, who essentially morph in in between the the three main characters of the original film. End up getting dragged out of her dream state and sort of wakes up, sort of in a hospital bed. And there's her mm-hmm. godmother and her godfather there. And it was sort of like a reveal that Gin actually found her um, and brought her to the hospital. And then there's sort of a, a, rec- uh, there's a re- re- um, they reconcile Yuki and Kyoko. And then towards the final of the film, you see them essentially visit a graveyard. And you see, oh, Hannah, she's died. Because she, she would have been probably in her, I don't know, her 70s or 80s. So... And I think this is related to sort of uh, AIDS, AIDS-related illness. Um, so it wasn't that ah, she so sort of abandoned she left her. Is she died, yeah. It was essentially she mm. died, but they didn't they didn't want to tell her. Ah, okay. Uh, and then that that's that uh, essentially leads to the conclusion of the film. So something oh, I try to keep it in the tone of what Con would do with the characters. That this mm-hmm. is sort of my my best sort of shot. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I, like, I think that really works. So, so I like the mix of uh, very. You know, again, very kind of heartwarming, Christmassy reconciliations, but also throwing some robots. Why not? Make it, <laughs> give it that edge of surrealness. And uh... yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's very good. Did you say you had a title for that? Or? Um, well, I th- I think I would. I mean, the the sequel that he never made was called Dreaming Machine. Um, and uh, okay, and one of his early works, he, which he wrote for and did a lot of the animation for, as part of an anthology, um, was called mm-hmm. Electric Rose. So. I might think like electric dreams, sort of like your Philip K. Dick. Type. Oh, nice. Together in electric dreams. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Okay. I'll move on to my one then to finish off. Uh, I've also gone for kind of a direct sequel. Um, and 
Starts off kind of similar with Harry's in that it's about them. They've, they've won the lottery at the end, and I also <laughs> thought they would split the winnings. Yeah. But actually, your calculations do make this actually a lot easier because I didn't want them. I didn't want them to be super rich, like beyond their wildest mm. dreams. We just wanted them to have a little cash injection. So the fact yeah. that they don't actually make that much money works out quite well. Because what I've decided they should do, and this is obviously based on the original film being so filled with coincidences and uh, running around around Tokyo and essentially solving mysteries mm-hmm. uh, i suggested that the three of them have set up a detective agency <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> and they specialize in reuniting missing children with their parents okay so it's like they the thing that they did in the first film they've now turned into a career which yeah i think is uh i think this, this that, that should be like a this could be a film it could be like an anthology series i think it would be like a fun place to put these characters so yeah. they've set up this tokyo-based detective agency specializing in finding missing children and reuniting them um and i just thought it'd be a really good way to bring in all the different connections that they've made in the city, like all the coincidences. They could, uh, yeah, yeah. All the characters that they meet could be recurring characters in this sequel or yeah. spin-off series. You know, like the mob boss, the drag mother, the owner of the gay bar, Gin's daughter, Miyuki's father, the police mm-hmm. officer, you know, they could all, they, they could all, all those characters are in the kind of, in fields where they could serve, they could be very useful to a detective agency. You know, mm-hmm. if you're looking for people who've gone missing, the mob boss could give them information on what's going on in the crime scene, if that's mm-hmm. a, a factor. The you know the gay bar maybe they passed through you know that the whole nightlife scene they might know know something yeah Gin's daughter being a, a nurse in the hospital if she could tell them if anyone's passed through you know who might fit the description mm-hmm. and Miyuki's father obviously being a police officer has all the in- in- inside intel on that side so mm. all the characters just felt like they lent themselves well to that detective kind of thing but also their own knowledge of the streets as well because they've lived as homeless people for quite some time so they know a lot of other homeless people and they've got those kind of street level connections so mm-hmm. they're just very well qualified to be detectives basically so yeah but i'm thinking because miyuki's quite young i think in the original film she was supposed to be at 11 or 12 yeah so i'm thinking she's actually gone back to school she's reconciled with her dad and so she's not actually working full-time as a detective but she still works for them in her spare time like because so, she she's you know still sees them as kind of surrogate parents and she really wants to be a part of it so she's kind of working there as their kind of intern slash administrator kind of thing so that kind of brings the trio back together but the, i'm thinking her father Miyuki's father isn't particularly keen on the fact that she's still hanging out with these two kind of eccentric homeless people, former homeless people, and also that she's working in a detective agency. He doesn't particularly love that. So that can be a cause of continued friction in their relationship where he's trying to protect her and get her to stay in school and focus on her studies. But she's much more focused on this detective agency. So that can kind of continue on that plot line from the first one. Um, But she is very sorry that she stabbed him. So, you know, she's (laughs) moved on from that at least. So. And best of all, she's been reunited with her cat, Angel, who I think she kind of brings to the office every day after work and is like the, the detective agency's mascot. So yeah. the cat can always Wait, be how, how old would this cat be now? Factor. Oh, that's a good point. Well, let's say, <laughs> let's say it was only a, a kitten when the, the, the stabbing incidents happened. So yeah. it's, it's not that old. It's, it's, or it could be a Christmas miracle. It's a miraculously long-lived cat. You never know. But yeah, I'm thinking as a main plot, though, so that's the setup. It's a detective agency. I'm thinking as the main plot, perhaps the gangster who ran himself over, maybe one of his daughters disappears, presumed kidnapped. Right. Yeah. Now, for reasons that I'll explain shortly, I don't think it should be the same daughter who was getting married. Mm-hmm. Let's say he has a second daughter mm-hmm. and she's gone missing. And the gangster comes to the t- detective agency because he knows them from when yeah. they saved his life. But also because he's like he's in the Yakuza, so he can't go to the police. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to help him, or you know, mm-hmm. it's too risky for him. So that's why he prefers a private investigation agency. So they take the case, yeah, and they go looking to find out what happened to his daughter. And of course, everybody they meet is somehow connected to this. Of course, you know, it's it going to be yeah. all the coincidences. Yeah. Again. 
So obviously the first thing they're going to do is suspect that maybe the Latinos are involved since there's mm-hmm. clearly some kind of gang war happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they deny all knowledge. There's nothing they, there's, that comes up as a dead end. Uh, then they try the hospitals. But again, Gin's daughter has no obvious connections. She, mm-hmm. she can't tell them anything. And also Miyuki's father doesn't know anything. It's not come by any official police channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eventually they do manage to track the daughter down though. And it turns out that she has fallen in love with the son of a rival gang member. Ah, so it's a classic, classic Romeo and Juliet situation. So yeah. she's run away from home and they, they both run away from their parents and they're in hiding because yeah. they want to essentially elope uh, and not speak to the, and because they don't believe that their parents would ever allow the match and they think mm-hmm. they'd separate them. And she's, the daughter is already not happy that her father is, in the Yakuza and she doesn't want anything to do with him and she she feels she wants to cut her father completely out of her life basically mm-hmm. so I'm thinking is that Kyoko because she knows quite a bit about difficult relationships with parents and also Gin because his relationship with his daughter has been troubled as well they kind of can speak reason to her and let her understand that um, even though she's absolutely right to follow her heart cutting her dad out of her life is never going to be a good thing it's going to cause a lot of pain in, the, in both of their lives and so yeah. they kind of talk the daughter into making peace with her father again they also managed to convince the gangster because I guess he still owes them his life to accept the fact that the relationship and give his blessing and kind of bridge the gap between the two gangs, I guess, mm-hmm. and let the kids live their own lives. And I think it just, once again, maybe it's all set at Christmas, so it has a festive, you know, mm. backdrop. But I'm thinking it ends at a big old gangland wedding, a big glamorous nice. gangland wedding, at yeah. which Hannah uh, can serve as the minister. Obviously, she can yeah. officiate the wedding because I think she'd very much enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's about it. So that was Tokyo Godfathers 2, Tokyo Detectives. Nice. Mm. Like it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess that's it for our sequel ideas then. Should we move on very quickly to listener reactions, listener submissions? Yeah, sure. I have a handful this week because this is a obviously not the most well-known film again. But I had no sequel pictures, but a few just general reactions from our re- our listeners. Stephen Gillespie said, this is a really good movie, a, a great alternative Christmas classic. Kieran Cowan said, Satoshi Khan made no bad films. He didn't really have the chance, obviously, because mm-hmm. he sadly died young. But upshot being that his great body of work lives on. Matthew Legrasso said, I've asked my brother to get me this for Christmas, so hopefully I'll get to watch it on Christmas Day. That'll be a great movie. So I think, yeah, I think this will be a good movie to watch on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And finally, Aaron D. Cantorino said, We fuck with Satoshi Khan in this house, which I think is a compliment. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So generally, yeah, lots of positive comments about this film. So it seems like there's definitely a fan base for this one. So. Uh, yeah, so thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave us a five-star review if you wish. It really helps us to stay up in, stay up in the rankings, so please do consider it. As mentioned by Harriet earlier, we are also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find all the relevant links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. So all that remains is uh, thank you very much, Nathaniel, for joining us and for bringing this film into our lives and also for staying up so late because you know, it's very late in Australia right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, it's, it's not a problem. Cool, but we will. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug or anything, any, any final words? <sighs> not or? really. Um, I'll just like to thank yeah. you two for having me on again. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a, a blast. A it's been really, really nice. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, we look forward to having you again. I think we should have a regular tradition of you introducing us to these lesser known Japanese films or, or anything else that you like. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be in a box. But, uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> but thank you very much for this one and, and also Survive Star 5. So, yeah, yeah, thank have you. A, it's very been... merry. 
It's but, been great. You've brought two great films to us this year. Yeah, excellent. Sterling Patreon work right there. It's just what we want. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, have a very good Christmas, and uh, thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, and you too have a very Merry Christmas as well. Excellent, yeah. thank you. So, And Harry, um, also have a Merry Christmas, I guess, uh, <laughs> if you must. Um, have you picked a film for next week? or should we... I have, yeah. Well, okay. so first of all, next week we're actually doing our year-end wrap-up. Sure. Um, where we are going to... We're going to talk about every film that we watched in the last year, mm-hmm. which, you know, lots, lots of them were in the cinema. Even more of them were not in the cinema. Yep. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk through all those. We're going to rate rate them. We're going to give each other some recommendations of films the other has not seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. So that's going to come out uh, next next Monday, I think. Presumably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Monday after that, we're going into the first episode of 2021. Mm-hmm. And as is tradition here at Beyond the Box Set, the first episode of the year is always a Pixar film. Oh, of course. Yes. Good. Eases in. Now, there's not many left. We've but, done quite a lot, yeah. But Pixar are doing their best to create more options for us. Mm-hmm. You know, this year they, they've gave, given us Onward. They're going to give us Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've not picked either of those. Oh, good. Well, Soul might be good. I'm glad you've not picked Onward. Yeah. I didn't did love it, so. <laughs> yes, yeah, so other than that, we've only got, we've only got a few remaining. Mm-hmm. But uh, I decided A Bug's Life. Oh, okay. Go right back to the start. Nice. Yeah, so I think this was their second film that they did. Mm, after Toy uh, Story, right? Yeah, and uh, for whatever reason, this one has never had a sequel. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it being bad. No. So I don't know why it didn't get a sequel. Sometimes they just like to leave things alone. I think good for them. So Yeah, but also it's not like super magical. No, true. It's very much like it's Toy Story, but instead of toys, they're bugs. Yeah. Maybe it's less merchandising opportunities. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, but great. No, I've not watched that film in years, so I look forward to revisiting it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be a good time. So thanks, everybody, for listening all year. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, for Nathaniel, for coming on. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And join us next week for A Bug's Life. Yeah. So see you next, next week, next year. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> he really means it. <laughs>